We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Yesterday, Cliff Sora shared a top 10 list of hot fusion restaurants, a vegan gluten-free mashup recipe, and a podcast featuring organic food trends. Oh, TMI, I. Too much internet information. That's oversharing. Cliff, Geico has something worth sharing with your friends. Like how on Geico.com you can save hundreds on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim. Gluten-free info that's easy to swallow. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code Rotowire when you deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Tuesday, November 24th, 2015. I'm Jake Latarski here alongside Eric Katuri. If you are out there on Twitter, you can find me at Jakeski52. Go ahead and give Eric a follow at etcat30. Eric, we're winding down to the playoffs. I mean, how how's this week going for you? Well, went two and two in the four leagues. Mm-hmm. Three of the four are looking pretty solid, safe bets for uh, you know making the fantasy playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I'm feeling good about that. The fourth league, who cares? I don't even care about that one anymore. So yeah, there's you always, probably feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, there's always one of those dud leagues that you have. There's you know you can't make the playoffs in all of them unless you're just a complete pro and. Part yeah. of my problem is I don't draft the same team in every league just to give myself a little bit of variance and maybe some injury insurance and stuff like that. If you can narrow down one big regret of 2015, is there anything that you can think of? I mean, mine personally has got to be my huge bids on Matt Jones early in the year. Do you have any 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 one big regret, like that one move yeah. where if you could have turned it around? Most, <laughs> um, well, obviously going into the season, the Cardinals running back situation was Andre Ellington and you know who knows what else. Ellington gets injured in week one, and Chris Johnson comes in the fold. Mm-hmm. In uh, one of the two leagues in which I had Johnson, I actually dropped him before week one. That there was the our Rotowire league. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Chris Benzine ended up picking him up. 
Um, I bet he's been pretty proud about that one. But they, that's been my biggest regret, just uh, mm-hmm. picking him up. Uh, when I, I did pick up Deion Lewis, so I got him for go. half a season. But now mm-hmm. he's out, so now I have none of them. Yeah, running back woes there, hashtag fantasy problems. That's pretty much the story of any fantasy football season. Yep. Either dropped someone, didn't pick someone up, paid too much for someone. But uh, fortunately, we got some running backs that can help you recover just in time. For the 2015 Fantasy Playoffs, before we get too eager with the waiver wire portion of Tuesday's podcast, we're going to go ahead and recap the Monday night football game. The Buffalo Bills went on the road to face uh, Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. Uh, Came up just a touchdown short there, ended up being defeated 20-13, to so not the huge blowout like it was much earlier in the season. You can tell that a that a Bills team has improved quite a bit, but still not quite there. Now, of course, the Bills sitting at 5-5, five and five, still not outside of the playoff hunt uh, completely yet, but uh, they're kind of grouped together with a bunch of people to to kind of fight with, vie for one of those last wild card spots. Let's start on the losing side here with the Bills. Tyrod Taylor, 20 of 36, 233 yards, uh, 6.5 yards per attempt, so not necessarily the greatest there. No touchdowns, no interceptions. He only added one rushing yard on the, on the ground. If you do have any fantasy players on the Bills, you got to at least be a little bit proud of uh, LaShawn McCoy, what he's been able to do, 82 yards on 20 carries. And a touchdown. Also added uh, 10 targets, was the team leader in targets. Ended up catching six of those for 41 yards. Outside of McCoy, though, is there anybody that you can really lock in as a starter on your fantasy team on a consistent basis here? Uh, not at all. I mean, everybody or people were expecting or hoping that Sammy Watkins would be able to take advantage of something against New England. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's such a staunch secondary. Uh, they were basically mobbing him, not letting him get much uh, room to operate. So he only had three catches correct in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Watkins pretty much a non-factor. Uh, yeah. Six targets, only caught three of those passes, and some of those were in garbage time at the end, which, of course, helped force me to lose a fantasy matchup. Just that really? Was really? Yeah, it was really oh, tight. Man. A couple of them short catches. It's a full PPR league. Watkins was getting shut down. I mean, I didn't really have any business winning the matchup in the first place, but just the fact that, uh, you know, trying to get – go underneath when they needed a lot more yards and we're just taking those to Watkins and of course effectively letting the clock run out at the end of the game yeah yeah one thing I noticed about the Pats scheme they let Chris Hogan just run wild through the secondary he had six catches for 95 yards on seven targets they didn't really care what Chris Hogan did because they didn't I don't think they felt afraid um Mm -hmm. you know of any of any portion of his skill set actually burning them yeah, and Chris Hogan ended up with a pretty nice game. Actually had the, the third most targets on the team, seven targets, but led them in receiving six catches for 95 yards. I mean, Bill Belichick and the Patriots like to take away your best thing, and, and they didn't necessarily shut down McCoy, but they kept him in check just enough. Yeah. They did shut down Watkins, though. So, I mean, is this just a product of the Pats game plan? You don't really have too high expectations for Hogan moving forward, do you? Not at all. Uh, yeah, this is a one-game wonder. When when we when you go back to McCoy, though, look at his last five games. Essentially, since he missed you know that stretch of three or four games earlier this season, he's averaged f- nearly 15 points per game in standard formats and just over 18 points in PPR formats. Mm-hmm. He's been an RB one like easily in that span, and like he just seems to be getting better as the season goes on too. Yeah, and despite the time missed earlier, he's been one of the few first round running backs that has actually started to pay his dividends over time so good for fantasy owners especially heading into the playoffs that's always what you want to see yeah exactly let's move on over to the new england side where tom brady believe it or not slightly less accurate than tyrod taylor uh, 20 for 39 277 yards but a better yards per attempt at 7.1 one touchdown one interception only sacked one time. His leading receiver was Danny Amendola, as I guess we could have predicted last week with the feature on our waiver wire episode. Ended up leading the team with 12 targets. Caught those uh, nine of them for 117 yards. Also seemed to be resuming punt return duty, so essentially direct replacement for Julian Edelman. However, Amendola is going to have an MRI on Tuesday. He had to leave the game early with a non-contact injury on his knee. We're going to go ahead and uh, monitor that over the course of the week here. Just just to make sure he's good to go for the for the week twelve yeah, matchup and, here. Yeah, and just keep in mind those are always the most worrisome ones, the ones where mm-hmm. you you weren't even touched on the play and injured a knee or ankle or whatever. So we're, yeah, we're going to be watching it closely, and we could have that news uh, on our site by Tuesday evening potentially. Yeah, of course. Yeah, not too much to uh, work off of before recording today, but. Uh, uh, Definitely worth monitoring. Aaron Dobson, also another uh, receiver that kind of got some more snaps when Amendola was off the field. Uh, he ex- had x-rays on his ankle. 
they came back clean, but they're sending him for an MRI as well. Uh, I mean, what does this do to the value of, uh, say, Brandon LaFell moving forward if these guys have to miss any time? Yeah, considering he's the uh, you know only primary wide receiver that's actually healthy at the moment, you would have to think he's going to be targeted heavily. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that you know continues through this weekend and onward from there. So yeah, rest of season value looks pretty good on his end yeah almost creeping into wide receiver two territory I guess if you ask me I mean one of the better quarterbacks uh, but I mean Brady's starting to lose weapons are you starting to worry about Brady at all rest of season I know uh, he was maybe overshadowed a little bit by like say Cam Newton earlier in the week and and they talk about the MVP conversations but Brady can pretty much work with whatever hand he's dealt right yeah exactly I mean we saw Aaron Rodgers you know production suffer a little bit when he went through a run there with uh you know reduced weapons or no weapons at all you know, Devontae Adams out of the lineup, for example. Mm-hmm. So I, I can see, I mean, the same thing actually kind of happened in this game against the Bills, only 279 yards in this game. But he's still, uh, you know, ranked second in the league with 25 touchdowns, so you can't really deny that. And Gronk is going to get back in action, mm-hmm. you know, as soon as this, this weekend as well. Yeah, they wrapped up Gronk pretty well in this game, seemed to use a different person covering him on nearly every play, was limited to just two catches on his seven targets for a total of 37 yards, so essentially a non-factor in this game before moving on let's take a quick look at the backfield LeGarrette Blunt led the charge there 16 carries 56 yards but James White also snuck in and played a little bit of a role uh only two carries for 14 yards but one of them went for a touchdown only three targets but two receptions for 32 yards and a touchdown so two touchdowns for James White this week was this just more or less a product of the game plan or can we see his role expand at all I mean, it'll it'll be interesting to see if he's actually kind of the goal line threat because that's what he was in this game. He got both of his touches mm-hmm. near the goal line. But uh, the last two games when he was actually, you know, used a decent amount, he only earned 33% of the snaps and got six touches mm-hmm. on those snaps. Whereas LeGarrette Blunt has had 38 touches the past two games uh, while logging 54% of the snaps. So Blunt's a guy. White will come and go, you know, mm-hmm. deviate – from week to week between decent outings and nothing probably yeah it's funny to see white getting the goal line carries because that's not really the type of back he is there blunts really the more bruising between the tackle back james white i remember from his days at wisconsin he was like he was the lightning to melvin gordon's thunder right and, on and, uh, with the badgers i mean james white would even line up in the slot a lot as a receiver so not the most powerful back so i'm not going to say that this is going to be the norm moving forward He's a very hit-or-miss play on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, with that, we'll uh, wrap up our recap of the Monday night football game. Again, the Patriots getting a 20-13 to victory there. Let's head on into our Week 12 waiver wire preview here. Uh, good news this week, Eric. There are no teams on bye weeks. Bye week's finally over, so ready to make that final playoff charge. Yes, you really have no excuses from from now on as owners, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, get that lineup set and, and not forget it, but uh, no excuse to have empty slots anymore. Yeah, and at least, you know, check it once before Sunday. Yeah, always worth uh, checking out the injury reports, actives, inactives. Of course, uh, you can head on over to rotowire.com slash free to do that. Get yourself a free 10-day trial. Let's uh, quick reminders before we get going here. All percentages are percent owned. Took most of these late Monday or early Tuesday morning when we were kind of editing out our plan for the show today. Also, fab estimates as usual. Going to be about a 12-team format, $100 budget. Adjust accordingly for your league. As far as quarterbacks go this week, there are not a whole lot of new ones to really worry about a ton. Uh, we do want to kind of rehash Jameis Winston all, uh, a little bit after his huge performance against Philadelphia. Uh, Jameis Winston still only owned in 25% of both Yahoo and ESPN leagues. i got to imagine that uh, that's going to start to dry up as the week goes on, especially if you're experiencing quarterback woes. At the very least, he needs to be owned in, in just about every two-quarterback format, correct? Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, after a five... Uh, any five touchdown performance is going to, you know, cause that ownership rate to go up. But he's also, over the last six games, had nine touchdowns and only two interceptions. So he's really reducing his, uh, mm-hmm. you know, mistakes. He's averaging 240 yards per game. And he's also rushed for three touchdowns during that six-game span. So he's actually being, uh, been a very consistent threat from the quarterback position. He can 
probably consider him in you know 14 team formats maybe at this point yeah absolutely and early on in the season he was almost a quarterback to target because of the turnovers you look at the first four weeks of the season seven interceptions but in the last six weeks just two total interceptions hasn't thrown an interception in in five of his last six games yeah and he's mentioned uh that he made a concerted effort to you know make the right play and not try to force things and you know it's produced great results so far come on eight in this five touchdown performance and a healthy mike evans sure helping his case uh hopefully yeah. soon a healthy austin safarian jenkins we're still not quite sure on him that's we, lingered around quite a long time and we just had uh vincent jacks return to the lineup too after mm-hmm. you know a few game absence so they're getting all the he's getting all his weapons back at the right time mm-hmm. and they're able to run the football as shown by doug martin's yeah. recent performance so that's yeah. good last point i want to make on Jameis winston here Pretty favorable playoff schedule. Goes to Indianapolis, then has Atlanta, New Orleans. Goes to St. Louis, tough matchup there. Then has the Bears at home. Finishes Week 17 if you play Week 17 at Carolina. So that also goes in your favor. So if you do have a fringe quarterback, or if you were maybe relying on Joe Flacco or something like that, not too many people were, Mm -hmm. but there's just an option there that you might want to go after here. Uh, Also need to talk about Brock Osweiler of the Denver Broncos here. He went in, got uh, Denver a pretty big victory there, and Osweiler's still only owned in 17% of Yahoo, 10% of ESPN leagues. It looks like the days of the Manning-Brady showdown are over because uh, Brock Osweiler will be starting this week in New England here. Uh, is he worth retaining, especially due to those weapons? Yeah, you got to like some of the peripheral stats, like 67% completion percentage so far in parts of two games, 4-1 uh, to one touchdown-interception ratio. Um, New England has been apt to give up you know, some garbage time yardage so if New England does get up in this game, as as we expect them to do, you know Osweiler could actually have uh, you know big third and fourth quarter. If uh, New England that is is allowed 274 yards per game so far, but only 14 touchdowns. So it's going to be more yardage dependent rather than actually TD dependent for uh, Osweiler this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm liking him a lot. And even though he only put up 17 points against the Bears, he was doing that without Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, yep. I believe he was inactive for that game, ruled yep. out. So his prospects are only going to get better as soon as that team becomes at full strength. Of course, we've got the healthy running backs now. But uh, again, another receiver such as Sanders caliber. I mean, the fact that Osweiler could work with guys such as Latimer and, and Norwood and, and newcomer. Demarius. Yeah. Demarius, of course, he <laughs> led the team in, in, uh, yeah. in, in targets there. I only caught three passes there. And even Vernon Davis started to be a factor in that game. Mm-hmm. So maybe Osweiler can get him involved a little bit more. So that's yeah. uh, encouraging. One thing uh, with regard to that offense, uh, Emmanuel Sanders actually revealed that he's been dealing with a high ankle sprain the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Hence the reason he had no catches two weeks ago and was inactive this past Sunday. But he's hoping that, you know, he's reaching the end of that. Mm-hmm. And he actually woke up for the first time Monday, he said, without a limp. So there that's we boding well for his prospects. Yeah, sometimes with those high ankle sprains, they're usually multi-week absences. But it's it's sometimes just best to sit out for a week or two, yeah. rest it, stay off of it, to not aggravate it, and just get yourself healthy. And that's what it sounds like Manny Sanders is up to. Another guy we've mentioned in the past, uh, Mark Sanchez. But I'd say his utility. He's probably fading here with Sam Bradford on his way back. Sam Bradford, limited participant in Tuesday's practice, uh, still listed with both a shoulder and concussion on the injury report. They yeah. do have a short week, but uh, yeah. he'll be back pretty soon. Yeah, he. they said he did, uh, he did clear the concussion protocol. <laughs> But his uh, shoulder might still be the issue mm-hmm. since he is, you know, since he was limited in Tuesday's practice. So it's going to be something to keep an eye on. And the short week really doesn't work in his favor either. So, mm-hmm. you know, it could come down to a game time decision. Yeah, quite possibly. So uh, maybe worth rostering both if you if you need to if in one of to. those two quarterback leagues. I yeah. mean, that's a, a rough position to be uh, t- sucking up roster spots there. Yeah, at least they get to face Detroit, though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that should help their case. They've uh, allowed uh, multiple TD passes in six of their ten games this year. So Yeah, definitely uh, a matchup to target there uh, regardless, especially in daily because both will probably be cheap, especially if you you know want to want to distract yourself from uh the thanksgiving action by going with a one a three game thanksgiving slate right uh, on thursday here uh now what about matt shaw but the baltimore ravens as most of us know joe flacco uh is now out for the season with the torn acl matt shaw's available all over the place but 
does he even have any weapons anymore, considering Justin Forsett broke his arm? We all know what uh, Steve Smith out for the season. You know, Brashad Perriman's not looking good like he's going to come back. Uh, can Matt Chubb do anything with this ragtag group of offensive players? Well, it seems like Kamar Aiken has kind of proven himself to be a, not, I mean, not even a premier wideout, but, you know, a reliable wideout from week to week. Mm-hmm. Um, then when you come to the tight ends, uh, Crockett Gilmore has been pretty stellar the last few weeks. Rookie Max Williams is coming into his own, and uh, the new running back, because of Justin Forsett's broken arm, is going to be Javorius Allen, who is a legitimate pass-catching back. So, yeah, he has, I think, four solid options to uh, turn to right now, and that could help him out. On the other hand, the last two years for him have been pretty dismal. You Mm -hmm. know, 6.43 yards per target, only 10 touchdowns versus 16 interceptions. Like, the peripherals don't look good for him. Yeah, maybe worth rostering in a 16-team, two-quarterback format. I don't even know if those exist, but uh, <laughs> really, more or less, you're gonna you might yeah. want to consider targeting they do. defensive matchups for the rest of the season right. just because of the limited weapons there. Yeah. And that you should point that out, right? Like mm-hmm. they're facing the Browns this yeah. week, so and the Browns are, have never been a defense to target. One of the worst defenses in terms of yards allowed per game. But this may be a week where if you need the stream or you need a daily option that's at the very bottom of the price tag list, maybe yeah. consider that. Yeah. Um, I want to take like 30 seconds real quick and mention Case Keenum of the Rams uh pretty much universally available we kind of forgot him last week when we were going over quarterbacks that are being replaced however Case Keenum is in concussion protocol right now Uh, a lot of questions about the way the Rams handled that situation but that all aside it'll either be Case Keenum or Nick Foles this week uh probably not the most favorable matchup but a situation potentially worth monitoring you know if you are in a two quarterback league yeah and if you have a lot of stock in Todd Gurley you're not really you know encouraged by either of those guys being under center but mm-hmm. it seems like after Keenum's performance Foles probably bodes better for Gurley's long-term potential this year at least yeah Gurley pretty much stuffed in the yards per carry department fortunately did find the end zone for I don't know maybe 10 fantasy points yeah. this week so not yep, the greatest 10. output had a tough time living up to his price tag in daily formats uh one last quarterback this is just in from Cleveland uh looking at Josh McCown who's going to go ahead and take over the starting job, uh, it seems like TMZ kind of surfaced a, a video of Manziel partying, which was reportedly during the bye week. I'm not quite sure if that's been confirmed yet. I mean, he looks pretty young in that video, but uh, I guess as uh, punishment or whatever you want to call it, Manziel's now been dropped to number three on the depth chart, chart, according to a statement released by the Browns today. So even Austin Davis is ahead of him. Uh, I mean, Josh McCown going to Baltimore, who has been hit or miss on, on defense this year. But, uh, I mean, I have a hard time with this whole Manziel thing. I feel like you could follow just about any NFL player around during a bye week or even during an off day and uh, record some sort of similar video. Of course, Manziel's pass might be a little bit troubling, but... Uh, do you think Manziel gets another chance this year, or can you go ahead and drop him everywhere? I, I think he will get another chance if it's proved proven that uh, these this video is actually old, multiple years old, and not from you know last week. Uh, considering he went through uh, rehab earlier this year, I think that's kind of the reason the Browns made this call. But it seems kind of unsta- unsubstantiated. They should have maybe done a little more research and mm-hmm. made sure this is actually you know from the last week yeah I mean if they want Johnny Manziel out it should be because of his play on the field not necessarily because of uh you know all the speculation going on in the offseason and he hasn't necessarily proven much but they have commended him on his improvements I I, it's a tricky situation in in one of the most uh just messed up franchises in all sports and we don't know what kind of promises Manziel has made to you know coach Mike Pettin and the management Mm -hmm. so Maybe just the fact that he got involved and was seen in a video like this is enough for them to make this call. Yeah, quite a bit going on behind the scenes that we're probably not 100% aware of. But yeah. uh, just keeping you in mind, keeping you informed that Josh McCown will probably be the starter there. Doesn't really change much for the Cleveland offensive weapons, uh, Barnage and, and Benjamin. Those guys have been successful both ways here. But with all that quarterback news aside, we can finally move along to running backs here. Now, there are a lot of running backs uh, left opened up by injury this week and just uh overall roles uh 
actually one of the better weeks for running backs of the year. Just going to mention in passing uh, Jeremy Langford, who's now owned in 81% of Yahoo, 91% of ESPN leagues. His utility is going to be fading a little bit with Forte coming back. So uh, keep an eye on any owners that may have dropped Forte just in case. Uh, another guy that you got to look at is Sean Drawn of the 49ers. Still only owned in 17% of Yahoo, 19% of ESPN leagues. He still seems to be the lead back in San Francisco with all the other injuries that are uh, going on in that backfield. Yeah, so standard points the last two weeks as a starter, the last two games rather as a starter, eight and seven points. It's only averaging 3.4 yards per carry, but he actually has uh, become a factor in the passing game, which we didn't expect. Mm-hmm. 12, he's caught 12 of 16 targets for 78 yards over those two games. He'll be facing an Arizona defense, which is staunch in most aspects, but they've actually given up the 11th most catches to running backs a season, 59 to be exact, for nearly 10 yards per clip. So that could actually augment his line and you know, have you help you out decently. Yeah, and uh, just to, worth mentioning the playoff schedule if you do plan on owning drawn. Uh, of course, Arizona this week then goes to Chicago, goes to Cleveland, Cincinnati at home, then at Detroit, then St. Louis at home. So there's some hits and misses in there. You might not start them every week, but there's a couple, especially looking at that that, that Cleveland matchup in Week 14 yeah, that you might want to look at. And this is all contingent upon Carlos Hyatt actually staying out of the lineup due to the stress factor in his void. It looks like mm-hmm. it's going to, you know be status quo again this week but we're going to keep keep a very close eye on it as we go ahead absolutely well let's get to uh two backs that are maybe worth uh we've mentioned in passing on the show before but really need to emphasize this week and uh the two backs that we're going to lead with this week are both the type of backs that you want to potentially spend the rest of your money on it's going to be your last chance to go ahead and get a starting running back possibly an rb2 rest of the season I'm going to go ahead and start with Thomas Rawls of the Seahawks here. Uh, he's owned in 35% of Yahoo and 38% of ESPN leagues. After it was found out that Marshawn Lynch was ruled out Sunday, had a huge game, just absolutely went off. 30 carries, 209 yards, one rushing touchdown, three catches, all three of his targets for 46 yards, and receiving touchdown against the 49ers, who not the best defense, also not the worst. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is all pretty much contingent on Marshawn Lynch, who will see a sports hernia specialist. At this point, he's not really expected to suit up Week 12 against the Steelers. Now, sports hernia, that it varies, but we've seen it really hinder the performance of a lot of athletes, especially in the NFL. And if surgery is necessary, uh, which we don't know for sure yet, it hasn't been ruled out, but it hasn't also been confirmed either. But there could be more weeks than just one for Thomas Rawls to go ahead and take over that lead back. With what you saw from him Sunday, is he a guy worth spending all, all your remaining fab dollars on? Yeah, he he's basically in that game backed up everything we've already seen him do this season he already had two uh, 100-yard efforts in uh, place of Lynch earlier this season and with you know a large workload again 30 carries 209 yards he's been able to sustain a nearly six yard per carry clip I mean everything I mean there's nothing not not to like about this running back right now and he actually looks like one of the better running backs in the league, just running over guys, getting to the second like second and third levels of defenses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's his time right now. I mean, the six yards per carry, I like that a lot. Uh, just uh, starting to get targets and runs in the red zone, which he didn't really have before. Yeah, And uh, there, there's just a whole lot to like about him, including uh, the playoff schedule. There's a couple tough matchups in here, but Pittsburgh this week, then at Minnesota, at Baltimore, has Cleveland at home, pretty favorable matchup. St. Louis at home and then at Arizona. This is a tough division with some good defenses, but there's a couple good matchups in there where you could probably expect 100-yard rushing games if he takes the reins. Yeah, knowing the way the Seahawks roll, you know, they, they get going in the second half, <coughs> dominate teams. So I could see them, you know, kind of being smash-mouth football the rest of the season, you know, in mm-hmm. their attempt to get into the playoffs. And they're just a game out right now again, amazingly, yep. after their 5-5 five and five start. Yeah, they had a rough start, but uh, still in it as much as anyone when you have a defense like that and a quarterback uh, like Russell Wilson, I guess, on most days. Uh, there's always a chance to get in there. And the way that they like to use Marshawn Lynch down the stretch suggests that uh, you know, Rawls could be in line for 20-plus carries a game, possibly 25 or more if it uh, continues to go in this direction here. Right on. Uh, so, yeah, all of your remaining fab money, um, I mean, unless you have 100 left, I would you even cap it anywhere, maybe $60, $65? you think that should be enough to get him? I, I would say that there's going to be very few teams out there that have more money than that. So, yeah, I would say go mm-hmm. up to that amount or uh, if you're – 
you know, somehow above that. Yeah, kind of cap it at 60 to 65 range. Yeah, and Rawls also is going to be one of the most heavily used players on DraftKings this week, sitting with just a $4,500 salary. Uh, needs to get in, going to be in a lot of millionaire maker lineups this week. I, I've got that feeling here. Yeah, now, I, I don't know. I, I almost feel like he's matchup proof. Like they're just, they're going to feed him the Brock. They want to control time of possession the rest mm-hmm. of the year. You know, they, they want to give the other team an opportunity to actually beat them. Yeah, and exactly. I'm right there with you here. He's someone that you can pick up and pretty much start the rest of the way. Yeah. All right, another running back that we definitely need to hit on that is almost at the same level as Rawls. I don't know if you want to debate this at all, but I I see these two almost eye-to-eye. I'm bidding a little bit more on Rawls. But uh, our number two choice this week is Javorius, a.k.a. Buck Allen of the Baltimore Ravens. As of uh, right now, he's owned in 13% of Yahoo, 6% of ESPN leagues. Go ahead and go out and get him because Justin Forsett broke his arm, had surgery yesterday. He's probably going to miss the rest of the season. Now, Buck Allen didn't do a whole lot uh, week 11, but keep in mind the tough matchup there Twenty against the Rams. 22 carries, 67 yards, 5 catches on 6 targets for 48 yards. On the season, 3.9 yards per carry. Maybe not a whole lot to brag about. He hasn't found the end zone yet. But he is the man, right? You got to you got to go all out for him with uh with an equal or maybe slightly less bid than Thomas Rawls. Yeah, especially since he's uh, the epitome of a third three down back. He actually mm-hmm. has really good pass catching chops. He's caught thirteen of nineteen uh, targets so far on the season. Uh, he actually caught five for forty eight yards on six targets Sunday against St. Louis. Uh, on the other hand, he'll be facing the worst, the league's worst run defense this weekend in Cleveland at mm-hmm. 139 yards per game. So maybe most of his work will actually come on the ground rather than through the air. Yeah, and he's going to be the man. I, I like how you mentioned three down back because you look down that depth chart, you got a guy named Raheem Mostert yeah. and then Terrence West, former Cleveland Brown there. And, I mean, if he was cast aside by the Cleveland Browns, that means, I mean, he probably gonna end up being a pro bowler at some point down the year yeah, just because yeah. just because of the way that works but uh but no i'm just kind of kidding there but yeah buck allen he's the man the rest of the season playoff schedule looking good especially this week when he heads to cleveland then at miami seattle at home kansas city at home pittsburgh at home at cincinnati so i mean allen at this point has almost a clear path to uh of course being the number one back because he doesn't have a guy like Marshawn Lynch that could be threatening behind him if he gets healthier, if the MRI stuff comes back clean. But I think you compare the two playoff schedules and you compare the expected workload when they are active, and mm-hmm. I think you got to just give the edge to Rawls in this situation. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, both workloads, like you said, are going to be there, but I kind of like uh, Rawls' body work so far. Javorius has had you know flashes here and there, but mm-hmm. they haven't been you know three starts worthy of performances. Yeah, all right. So uh, those are the top two guys you want to go for. Like I said, maybe bid the same, almost all of it, but uh, make make Buck Allen your second priority. I think that's how I'm going to set it up in most of my leagues. Uh, if you don't have the waiver money to spend, uh, there's a handful of other guys that we might want to take a look at here. I'm going to start out with Spencer Ware of the Kansas City Chiefs, owning just 8% of Yahoo, 1% of ESPN leagues. Chuck Hendrick West had to leave early. He's dealing with a strained hamstring. He's considered day-to-day. We don't know a whole lot about his Week 12 status. Again, the Chiefs played the Bills at home. But Spencer Ware came into that game in relief of West, carried the ball 11 times for 96 yards and two touchdowns, caught his only target for 17 yards. Niall Davis was inactive for that game. If, if West does have to miss a game or miss multiple games, I'd imagine Niall Davis will be active. But Spencer Ware still seems to be the guy over Davis just considering uh he was active and Davis was not yeah I I totally agree with that uh what do you think about the matchup against the Bills I mean the Bills have given up uh let's see a decent amount of touchdowns on the ground one (coughs) one per game to be exact over the last six but they're still kind of staunch on the ground they have a decent yards per carry against Mm -hmm. average so uh you know the it'll be more dependent on him actually reaching the end zone if, you know, West is in fact out mm-hmm. this week. Yeah, I mean, the Bills limited LeGarrette Blunt to 3.5 yards per carry Monday night. And yeah. Of course, not the greatest matchup there, but I mean, uh, the way the Chiefs run the ball, and they're another team like the Seahawks where they, they, they're they a run-first team. Yeah, one one other thing to keep in mind, uh, Casey was actually trying to, you know, run out the clock in this game. They, did, mm-hmm. they, did, ju- they just wanted to get out of there with a victory. So, you know, Ware got most of the touches – you know, and 
crunch time of that game. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a big time victory uh, as far as I can remember here. Uh, yeah, they demolished. Yeah, it was thirty three to three, and yeah. San Diego does have one of the poorer run defenses in the league. I believe it's bottom three last time I looked. So all things that you might want to keep in mind when you know considering pickup like Spencer Ware, and also the fact that it might only be a one or two week option. But uh, can you just justify spending maybe fourteen to eighteen dollars on something like this, or is that a little bit lofty? Maybe. Yeah, I'd say that's lofty. I don't personally. I want spend more than 10 it, mm-hmm. and it also depend on like who who i already have in my uh you know backfield if i have uh truck andrick west yeah i'm gonna bid a little mm-hmm. bit more just to make sure i have his handcuff now especially with this injury but uh yeah you could warrant 14 at that point probably 14 to 15 range yeah i could see that i very much agree with that yeah i, I originally scribbled down double digits but i can i can see this going single digits you should be able to get away with that yeah. or just because the name is so not well known and he's he's available pretty much everywhere you can maybe even risk letting him pass through waivers and grabbing him up at right. zero dollars especially if you're in anything 12 or less i, I right. would guess so if you're in a deeper league though and you want to have the handcuff like what would you spend at that point? yeah I mean, if i'm a west owner i would say uh maybe a $16 bid just to yeah. be completely safe I think okay. I always like to go $1 over what the, you think? Uh, like a, a, an even increment of five and, and that seems yeah. to have worked out okay for me yeah you know exactly. usually I don't bid $60 I always bid $61 trying to, mm-hmm. get, to get that $1 over the next guy here yeah uh, a couple more running backs that we want to touch on not a, I mean not as high profile as the guys above but we got to look back and revisit Tevin Coleman of the Atlanta Falcons he's still available in pretty much three quarters of, of uh, Yahoo and ESPN leagues I'm looking at 27% owned Yahoo 26% owned ESPN. Devontae Freeman, he had an exit early Sunday due to concussion to the woes of many daily fantasy players. He's going to have to clear concussion protocol as of right now. Everything I've read say the symptoms don't seem to be severe, but uh, teams aren't going to usually lead that on if they are. Uh, Now, Tevin Coleman, 17 carries, 48 yards in relief of Freeman on Sunday, so not, not a whole lot to brag about there in that stat line. But the Falcons like something about Tevin Coleman because he was the starter at the beginning of the year before Devontae Freeman kind of took that job and ran away with it here. Is there any value, do you think, Freeman gets scaled back in any way, or is his status solely dependent on that of Devontae Freeman? Yeah, I think think it's solely on uh, Freeman and his ability to actually play this weekend. I don't. I don't like the fact that he had only 48 yards and 17 carries against an indie def- run defense that ranks in the bottom third of the league in that category. Um, then he get, he actually gets to face a more staunch defense this week in the Vikings. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they just gave up 100 yards to Eddie Lacy, but Eddie Lacy looked back back in form, whereas Coleman actually hasn't shown that at all yet this mm-hmm. season. Yeah, and you look at those uh, those Viking linebacking core with Chad Greenway and Anthony Barr. That's going to be tough to get by on anyone. I think if Coleman. Pretty much as a Freeman handcuff, but if a Freeman owner lets him get by, you could maybe pick him up if you're really hard pressed for running backs. Yeah, six to eight dollars, maybe tops. Uh, you know, and that's as your Freeman. That's handcuff. like the perfect uh, scenario. Yeah, yeah, that's as yeah. your Freeman handcuff here. Uh, a couple, real couple, quick running backs to go through. I'm on Bradshaw. Caught two receiving touchdowns Sunday against the Falcons. Nine carries, 32 yards. Four catches, four targets, only owned in 7% of Yahoo and 4% of ESPN leagues. At this point, is Bradshaw anything more than a Gore handcuff? Can you see his role expanding if they, I mean, Gore's getting up there. He's got a lot of wear and tear under his belt. Do you think we could lean more towards a timeshare as the season goes along? The key here is, uh, I think, Gore coming out of this game with a knee injury, which has been described as minor by the team, and Gore himself has said that he'll be fine. Mm -hmm. So we're going to watch that injury concern throughout the week. But, yeah, I I think he's more of a handcuff. In the two weeks before, uh, you know, this past Sunday, he had seven and seven touches before getting 13 this past weekend. So uh, it's going to be – you can't really rely upon somebody who's only getting, you know, five to Mm -hmm. ten touches per game. Yeah, that's very tough on a week-to-week basis. If you need an absolute flyer in a deep team to maybe get you six <clears throat> fantasy points, then you could consider it. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, he's, he's they're going to Tampa Bay uh, in Week 12. The, the Buccaneers allowing uh, 14.4 fantasy points per game to running backs. That's actually putting them in the bottom third of the league. So, uh, you know, you don't think of Tampa Bay as, a, as just a spectacular run defense, but they have had some success against opposing backs. So, Maybe a couple bucks tops for Bradshaw. I think I like him maybe more in PPR leagues because of uh, third down running capabilities. Yeah, I think the th- the thing I like about him most is the fact that he's you know resumed his role as a pass catching 
uh, and kind of red zone monster. Uh, again, he has three touchdown receptions in the last two games, mm-hmm. and he's that's only on one red zone target actually during that span. So, uh, is that correct? Yeah, I believe so. So he's you know not necessarily consistently looked at in the red zone, but possibly seeing a little bit of ex- of an expanded role. But it's really no guarantee, right? By any means. All right, last running back here today, another minor one, a dart, a Hail Mary, whatever you want to call it here. I want to bring up Chris Thompson of the Washington Redskins. He's available pretty much everywhere. Matt Jones lost another fumble this week. I believe that's the sixth of the year. Uh, Matt Jones and Alfred Morris combined seven rushes for zero yards. I think uh, Thompson led them with four carries for 10 yards. Woohoo. I mean, it was Carolina, very tough run defense here, but I mean, Coaching staff in Washington has got to be getting fed up with uh, Matt Jones' fumbling, the rookie, and Alfred Morris actually came away with a little, I think he came away a little bit banged up, a rib injury here. So, I mean, does that alone make make Chris Thompson worth owning at least and and considering? Yeah, I like the pass-catching aspect of uh, his game. Uh, So they're facing the Giants this week, the Redskins, that that is. Mm -hmm. And the Giants have given up 58 catches over 10 games to running back so far. So that's something to keep in mind. And they've actually caught a pretty high volume of the catches or of the targets, 58 of 81. So, yeah, I, I would consider more as a PPR threat than anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's another one of those guys in a similar sense to Bradshaw. Maybe even has a little bit more secure role than Bradshaw if Gore's injury isn't really that's serious but another guy you can maybe count on for five six fantasy points if you just need someone to fill out a lineup because you've had really bad luck with running backs this year or something like that exactly, so yeah. worth bringing up because of the just uh sheer inadequacy of jones and alfred morris this year <laughs> it's, it's been rough uh for for those guys uh there well fantasy football just got a whole lot more interesting week 12 DraftKings will be hosting yet another millionaire maker event with one million dollars going to first place Go to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code ROTOWIRE to play free with your first deposit on DraftKings. That's promo code ROTOWIRE for free entry now with your first deposit at DraftKings.com. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Once again, I'm Jake Letarski here alongside Eric Aturi for our Waiver Wire podcast, as always, on Tuesdays. We're going to go ahead and move along to the wide receiver group this week. Uh, a lot of existing wide receivers, not a whole lot of new names to talk about, but we're going to run down a few guys that uh, you know maybe we've discussed in weeks past that are worth being rehashed. Number one, Stevie Johnson. His availability is drying up real fast, but you might have about a 1 in 4 chance of picking him up. Uh, 78% Yahoo, 75% ESPN leagues. I know not a huge game really against um, against the Chiefs this week, that defense tightening up there, but Stevie Johnson was the team leader in targets with eight, and you can imagine it'll be the same way for him going forward, correct? Yeah, exactly. So he's had, let's see here, uh, 38 targets over the last three games to the Chargers too, so um, regularly targeted. Uh, the yardage may not be there, but you got to imagine that <clears throat> the Chargers are actually going to get back in the scoring column at some point mm-hmm. here, right? Yeah, I mean, especially Phillip, with Philip Rivers. Yeah, Philip Rivers had been playing well. The Chargers have just been one of the more confusing, inconsistent teams. Uh, one of these weeks, uh, their price is going to go down enough to maybe do a nice Rivers Johnson stack in a tournament and mm-hmm. get you to profit a lot while also allowing you to get guys like Gurley and Gronk into your lineup. So, something to maybe think about moving forward if the matchup is right. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, they might also be hurt by the fact that, you know, Antonio Gates is dealing with. Isn't he dealing, contending with kind of an injury? Yeah, a little he, bit he was, uh, I believe he Ladarius. was quite, yeah, Ladarius Green and Gates both have, I think, lower body injuries that are, are maybe hampering them a little bit, so it, that, that only helps Stevie Johnson's target count. Yeah, and then he has, uh, you know, Javante and, uh, uh, what is the other, Dontrell Inman. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so like. So not a whole lot to contend the, with there yeah, in San Diego. There isn't much to contend with, but also. Uh, it's not an encouraging situation either. Mm-hmm. All right, other receivers that we've talked about before, Danny Amendola I have listed here. We pretty much talked about him in the Monday night recap. Watch his injury, watch the MRI that he's undergoing today to see where we go. Uh, another one, Devin Funches. That's starting to get a whole lot more interesting. Uh, last week against the Redskins, he was tied with Ted Ginn Jr. for the team lead with eight targets, and Funches ended up catching four passes for 64 yards and a touchdown. Is Funches fantasy relevant again? Man, <clears throat> I would say, I would say this might be a flash in the pan. It might might also be him actually getting a better rapport with Cam Newton, getting more used to the mm-hmm. speed of the NFL games. So, 
I like the fact that he's reached end zone twice, you know, the last three weeks. But uh, do you think that will continue? I mean, he had more targets than Greg Olson this week, mm-hmm. and that could be contingent on the on the Washington game plan, perhaps. Right. I mean, there's there's a lot to uh, yeah, I don't know maybe question there, but I mean, I can think of a lot worse receivers that are that could be owned, and and Funchess right. has the availability at least only owned in 35 percent of Yahoo, 11 percent of ESPN leagues. So there's a little bit to like there. Our uh, our our waiver wire column online, Kevin Payne, he likes Funchess as a primary receiving target for eight to twelve dollars. Is that a reasonable bid if you're in need of a wideout? Uh yeah, most definitely. Um mm-hmm. I mean he he is gonna be facing the Cowboys this week. Cowboys secondary has played decently well this season. Mm-hmm. They've only allowed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven touchdowns a season to wide receivers, so that's just something to keep in mind. Yeah, so the matchup's um, a little bit tough. I, I do like the fact that, uh, you know, he's taking advantage of a situation which Ted Ginn, Ted Ginn Jr. and Philly Brown have not been inspiring at all mm-hmm. uh, in that passing game. So, I, I don't know. It, how much would you potentially bid if you're in need of wide receiving help? I'd say I agree with the eight to twelve dollar range. Um, I, that just seems reasonable to me. Uh, you, you know, I would probably bid put an eleven dollar bid down if uh, if he's available and I need it. Well, because right. the thing with me is I have Cam Newton in about three leagues and I've cycled through receivers uh, that I've been hoping to ha- pair up and stack with Cam Newton uh, and, and it's been working out well he's having an MVP type of season it's just uh, not necessarily been working for me like I've dropped Corey Brown I've dropped Ted Ginn it right. just uh, Ted Ginn drops footballs like it just Jericho Cotri even yeah have not, you had him this no nope, I have not oh, picked okay. up Cotri uh, that's one guy <laughs> I've stayed away from so uh, <laughs> maybe Funchess is that guy for the playoffs and if I'm looking to make a playoff push uh could be worth a shot there. Uh, also on this list that we have are Ruben Randall and Dwayne Harris. I believe they had a bye week last week, so a lot of people kind of forgot about them. Uh, both of those guys seemingly viable wide receiver, four or five type players. Yeah, I would say so. And the fact that they get to run across from Odell Beckham too probably opens mm-hmm. up a lot of uh, you know lanes for those guys. Yeah, definitely should open up some looks. I would say uh, there's there's a decent amount to like there. And uh, I mean. Yeah, on that depth chart behind Odell, it's just Ruben Randall and Dwayne Harris, of course, uh, Hakeem Nix, Jeremy Davis, Miles White, all those guys kind of bottom feeding there. Uh, any one of I, one of them, I guess, would be a potential inactive candidate on a week-to-week basis here. Uh, and, of course, Doriel Green-Beckham didn't have the greatest week last week when it was uh, his really his opportunity on the Thursday night game. Uh, but, again, the targets might be there, uh, so maybe worth a watch in deeper formats. I like him especially in keeper formats, Doriel Green-Beckham. Mm-hmm. Oh, That's, yeah, most definitely. All right, how about some new names to talk about this week? I don't think we've touched on Marquez Wilson since all the way back week one or two. Uh, he's going to go to Green Bay uh, on Thanksgiving. Uh, Jay Cutler... Marquez Wilson, maybe that's the combo uh, that they're going to roll with. But to me, Marquez Wilson's status is closely dependent on that of Elshon Jeffrey, who is dealing with a groin injury. Now, last week against the Broncos, both Jeffrey and Eddie Royal were out, and Marquez Wilson led the Bears with seven targets. Uh, I mean, the Packers' pass defense has shown a few holes this season. Uh, do you think they can get beat by a guy like Wilson if Jeffrey's unavailable? Uh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, how how is uh, Jeffrey progressed to the week? I got to check this out quick. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Wilson just someone that he's been very hit or miss, and I think I, I guess opportunistic if anything. But you know, this whole Bears receiving core is is a little bit banged up. Martellus Bennett dealing with an injury of his own, uh, and of course, this is a short week here with this game being Thanksgiving night. So yeah, last week Elshon Jeffrey put in a limited practice to start the week on Wednesday followed it up with two absences that should have been the red flag that he wasn't going to play and eventually he was deemed inactive this week he was limited in a walk through monday and limited in tuesday's practice so i would say there's a much better shot for him to actually play it might come down to a game time call but the mm-hmm. fact that it's thursday evening probably probably will help his cause if that comes to pass marcus wilson like you said is gonna you know be bump down the pecking order probably yeah you're gonna have a tough time going with uh Elshon Jeffrey who typically has good games against the Packers but uh in daily formats because that's the last game of the day uh the primetime game on NBC there so it's gonna be really tough to lean on Elshon Jeffrey in those daily formats when lineups are locking early uh what about Terrence Williams of the Cowboys is he worth rehashing now that Tony Romo's back I mean owned in just 41 percent of Yahoo leagues 33 percent of ESPN leagues caught all four of his targets for 79 yards and a touchdown Sunday can you pick him back up if you dropped him before yeah I like the fact that uh 
he like he has a good rapport with uh, Tony Romo. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the three games in which uh, they've been together, he's had five for sixty yards. In the second game of the year, when Romo, you know, got injured his shoulder, collarbone rather, mm-hmm. four catches for eighty-four yards and a touchdown. And then this past week in Miami, four catches, seventy-nine yards and a touchdown. And he's done all that on only nineteen targets. So if that volume moves up a little bit, his floor obviously raises. And I think uh, his floor is already, you know, decently high enough that, you know, he, you can warrant him being, you know probably a flex play at the very least mm-hmm. yeah especially if the matchup is right and there's plenty of cowboys receivers i mean teams that game plan <laughs> against the cowboys are going to say let's not let des bryant beat us you know maybe we'll let terrence williams beat us we can deal with that but we'll, let's definitely not let des bryant beat us so and, and he's a deep threat uh maybe not so much in ppr formats due to a little bit of inconsistency but in those right. touchdown heavy formats i think you could find some utility there Tough matchup against week uh, against the Panthers in Week 12. Then goes to Washington, goes to Green Bay. Jets at home, Revis Island. No, that'll probably be Des on Revis Island. Then goes to Buffalo. Then has Washington. So kind of a, a mediocre. There's nothing that jumps out too much about that fantasy playoff schedule. Another receiver want to touch on quick. Tyler Lockett of the Seahawks. He jumped out. Uh, only five targets, but caught four passes for 48 yards and two touchdowns. Owned in just 15% of Yahoo, 10% of ESPN leagues. Does anything change about your outlook on Tyler Lockett based on this 2-TD performance? Not at all. Not uh, at Doug, all. Doug Baldwin's the guy there. Uh, he is dealing with, a, I believe, ankle injury this week. So that, But they're not worried about that at all. Uh, um, Baldwin will assume that number one role again. Lockett's just uh, a guy that will flash from, you know, week to week. Mm-hmm. One week he'll basically do nothing and be corralled in the punt return game and have no targets. The next week he'll have a game like this where he'll either, you know, return a kickoff for a TD or, you know, have a random two-touchdown performance yeah. through the air. Yeah, right on. I'm right there with you now. I could see picking up Lockett as a dollar waiver in a keeper league because yeah. I could see his role maybe expanding if he's a still little available, bit next year. You know. Yeah, if he's still available. I mean, you've got a pretty decent chance of him being available. Maybe not so much in keeper formats because of people looking I, ahead. Right. But, uh, in sing- I mean, if especially in those dynasty formats where you can keep a lot of players, he might not be around. But yeah. I do like his prospects moving forward. But as far as making him a wide receiver two or three in your fantasy playoffs, I just wouldn't count on that too much. Seattle, as we talked about earlier with Thomas Rawls, are going to run the ball pretty heavily there. Yeah. All right, let's head over to Arizona, the team you cover, Eric. Uh, now, Michael Floyd, been on a, on a heck of a run lately, uh, four straight games with a touchdown catch. But now he's dealing with a hamstring injury. And, uh, of course, Larry Fitzgerald seems to be atop that depth chart there. Uh, John Brown may be still a factor, I guess you can see. But what, mm-hmm. a, what about moving down to guys like J.J. Nelson or Jerron Brown, who are pretty much universally available? Uh, if you're out there in a deeper format, is there anything else that uh, – is there anything about either of these guys that, that stands out that could make you consider a pickup? Oh, yeah, so I'll set it up with uh... – Michael Floyd actually suffering a hamstring injury in uh, Week 10 against mm-hmm. Seattle, up in Seattle. Yep. Um, so in that game, Jerron Brown actually entered, and I think he had three catches after that point. Um, and in the aftermath of that game, uh, all, all we heard is, you know, this is a semi-serious hamstring injury, and if Floyd is, you know, hindered, that Jerron Brown would be the guy who kind of fills in. Mm-hmm. Um, so as the week went on, Floyd doesn't practice at all um we're kind of just letting people know in our updates you know if Floyd doesn't play Jerome Brown will probably be the guy mm-hmm. that prospers uh Sunday rolls around he Floyd goes through a pregame warm-up he's deemed not able to play so at that point you know we say oh Jerome Brown is probably gonna you know be a big factor in this game uh especially with uh you know John Brown himself was dealing with a hamstring injury the past mm-hmm. few weeks yep so enter the game, and we see J.J. Nelson come in very early. He has a 64-yard touchdown at one point and ends the game with four catches for 142 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, six targets in that game for J.J. So, Nelson. He's the deep threat without yeah. Michael Floyd, I guess. Uh, you know, yeah. Jerron Brown would be more of a replacement for a slot guy, but yep. you look at a guy like Michael Floyd that they would stretch the field with, maybe J.J. Nelson fits that profile a little bit more. Now, a lot of people are going to pick him up after this big game, yeah. probably chasing the Week 11 performance, but there's a chance that he could maybe get one of those deep balls in Week 12 and, and, and have that pay off, or is that too tied closely to Michael Floyd? Yeah, so they have six wideouts that they really like on this team, mm-hmm. and 
Um, the sixth one that, that I'll just mention in passing, it's Britton Golden. He's a special teams guy. That's why they liked him to be active on a, on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. So if Michael Floyd is actually able to, you know, recover from this hamstring injury and play this weekend, I could very well see J.J. Nelson being inactive. Like, that could very well happen. And the good thing about uh, what we've seen from Nelson this year is on his limited usage, he's averaging over 30 yards per catch. So yeah. if Floyd's out, uh, you're right. Like one of those, you know, deep passes from Palmer, which Bruce Arians likes to throw on a weekly basis, could end up mm-hmm. in his arms. Yeah, we've seen Arians not hesitate to take his fair share of shots down the field, whether it's Floyd or Nelson or, or whoever. Yeah. And he's got a quarterback that can certainly air it out and do that even at this later stage in his career. Yeah, so just keep in mind, if Floyd is able to play, J.J. Uh, Nelson's probably the guy who's going to be inactive. And then Jerron Brown will be a fringe guy and probably mm-hmm. the passing attack. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Jerron Brown, I don't think he was targeted last week he was in not, the matchup yeah. at all. So, yeah, uh, yeah tough going for him. So it's going to be all contingent upon Floyd this week. Yeah, so watch those practice status updates here from Roto-Wire because we'll, we'll have you covered here. Uh, now, how about tight ends here? A couple guys to rehash real quick. Vernon Davis and Owen Daniels better. Uh, relevant again, maybe, now that uh, the quarterback situation in Denver has improved. Uh, Richard Rodgers we've talked about in the past. Uh, so, so is Justin Perillo. Not not huge factors this past week. Neither of the tight ends a factor in the passing game. Possibly getting Andrew Corliss back. We'll talk about that in a sec. Uh, the one that I do want to remind uh, is Crockett Gilmore in Baltimore. Even though Matt Schaub's taking over, he seems to be a viable tight end for me. Um, Crockett Gilmore, 22% Yahoo, 17% ESPN leagues. So there's still some availability there. What about a guy like Brent Selleck here from the Philadelphia Eagles? We know that Mark Sanchez absolutely loves his tight end, and uh, we're not quite sure if Bradford's going to take that back over yet this week, another practice situation to uh, to kind of monitor. But Zach Ertz has already been ruled out of Thursday's game with concussion. The short week did not give him enough time to clear concussion protocol. Is Brent Selleck your man uh, in this Eagles offense, and can he be considered uh, a tight end one and say a 14-teamer? Yeah, he had been pretty quiet aside from uh back back to back weeks with the touchdown earlier this season mm-hmm. uh the last two weeks so uh last two games rather four catches for 134 yards on four targets seven catches for 79 yards on 10 targets so in ppr formats you're getting you know 17 to 14 to 17 points and you know that's approaching wide receiver one area correct mm-hmm. yeah especially in those ppr formats i'm not sure how much they'll look to him <laughs> Sorry, me. tight end one. He's a tight end. Yeah, tight end one. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how much they'll be looking at him in the end zone necessarily because yeah. they are seemingly a run-first team despite the uh, what, what on paper might look like a, a pass-first offense. But uh, they do like to give the ball carries to the running backs, and I just think Selleck, uh, he's done it in the past. He's got the pedigree. Regardless of who the quarterback is, they're going to find him on, on short crossing routes and checkdowns. I mean, what do you think? Uh, I mean, with Mark Sanchez under center the last two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe this is a relationship between Selleck and Sanchez. Yeah, that could help develop- things out. Maybe developed. a security blanket for Sanchez. And if Bradford is on his way back, which, you know, we're not sure if that's going to happen yet because he's while he is clear from the concussion protocol, as we mentioned earlier, he's still dealing with a shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. So that's going to come down to the wire. But if Sanchez is under center, I do I do like Selleck's prospects a lot more. Mm-hmm. I got a dilemma for you that involves a lot of these guys that we've talked about. Going to maybe put you on the spot a little bit here, but <laughs> I've been starting Zach Ertz on my bench. I have Vernon Davis still. I didn't let him go. And I also have Austin Safari and Jenkins here. Now, do I go out of my way to get a guy like Selleck, or do you think maybe uh, try to go for Vernon Davis this week uh, against the Patriots? Now, pretty tough call, I think, in my part, but uh, I, I'm fighting this is going to be my last chance to maybe squeak into a playoff spot. Yeah, I'm trying to see how the Patriots are here against uh, tight ends this season. Um, just give me one second. Patriots. There. Uh, yeah, they're they're actually very staunch against tight ends. Mm-hmm. I, I would try to drop um, one of your maybe fringe wide receivers or running backs to get Selleck. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that would probably be the call since I real, I believe Sir, Safarian Jenkins will make an impact at some point this season, yeah, even exactly. though he hasn't been cleared medically yet. Mm-hmm. My thing, though, is i got to get to the playoffs though, for Safarian Jenkins key. to help me in the playoffs. Exactly, so yeah. there's going to be some tough calls uh, on the ad drop I thing mean, this do you, week. Do you have some running backs in that league 
running back or wide receiver that you can actually I might be able to let go of a guy like Dwayne Harris I think that's probably where the route that I'm going to go I've got Michael Floyd too but I'm not sure I want to let him go yeah I think he's too valuable especially healthy all right before we wrap up a few more tight ends here Kyle Rudolph of the Vikings pretty much torched the Packers last week six catches nine targets 106 yards and a touchdown is this a product of the defense he's facing or do you think him and Teddy are getting a little more comfortable I I think it's uh, the latter actually uh I mean Teddy is as we saw in uh, Sunday's game he doesn't really have a deep ball yet so he has to kind of rely on a lot of check downs mm-hmm. and the more intermediate throws so yeah I think that's kind of his game at the moment and that we're gonna have to wait for him to develop but uh <clears throat> yeah tight end in uh you know Kyle Rudolph is one of his uh solid options i guess right now yeah. he broke a three-game scoreless streak with that touchdown uh, the yeah. nine targets the thing that concerns me a little bit is that's by far the most targets he's had this season the four weeks before that he had four and then two two and two so maybe a yeah, little bit not inconsistent enough. there that's right. not enough usage for me to go after a guy like him what about zach miller of the chicago bears i mentioned kind of alluded to earlier that martellus bennett dealing with a uh, sore ribs and of course short week in the turnaround here could Zach Miller be a guy that maybe warrants taking a look at yeah since uh, the Packers are you know <laughs> they've been very friendly to opposing tight ends this year especially uh you know in the recent past they've given up four touchdowns to tight ends over the last five games mm-hmm. uh man like I, I hate recommending anybody against the Packers but if Martellus Bennett is gonna you know be out this week with this rib injury on a short week mm-hmm. Zach Miller is a will be a very cheap play and very available yeah, absolutely. Six targets last week, three catches for 47 yards. So very modest production if you're really stretching to get a tight end there. And lastly, in the tight ends, I mentioned uh, Andrew Corliss. That's mostly because of uh, he could be coming back from injury, and it's not like Richard Rodgers or Justin Perillo have impressed a ton. I could see Corliss maybe stepping in to take Perillo's role, but probably not enough to become fantasy relevant, right? Yeah, so when it comes to, when it comes to like his role when he comes back, like Richard Rodgers will probably be used from 20 to 20, but when they actually get in the red zone, Corliss will probably enter the game at that point and be mm-hmm. like that safe safety valve for Rodgers. Uh, he knows like where to get, go on the field for yeah. Rodgers, where Rodgers is comfortable. Yeah, Corliss was a, has been a red zone threat a little bit over the course of his career and maybe a little bit better blocker than Rodgers, so at least he'll be on the field in goal line situations. Right. But again, that makes it very tough to gauge fantasy value, and I think it's just a little bit too risky to, to pick up and try to oh, start someone sure. like Corliss. Yeah, just, you, you want to see a little, uh, you know trend happening yeah just wanted to throw that out there because he uh should be returning from ir pretty much any week now so i just wanted to throw that on there i'm gonna run down any week 12 kickers that are kicking in the dome get us get at me on twitter if i uh, forgot anyone i put this list together pretty quickly (laughs) caleb sturgis at detroit matt prater of course at home against the eagles Graham Gonneau at Dallas in Jerry World. I'd imagine they'll retract that shot. Dan Bailey at home in Jerry World. Connor Barth at Indianapolis. Of course, Adam Vinatieri at home. Kai Forbath at Houston. Nick Novak versus New Orleans. I actually like Novak as a, as a plug-and-play this week just because of the New Orleans defense and the fact he's kicking in a dome takes the weather factor out of it. Also, Blair Walsh at Atlanta, and, of course, the Falcons kicker Matt Bryant home against Minnesota there. That's what I got for kickers. Uh, now, what about defenses here, Eric? Was, were there any defenses that stood out to you this week? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, you got to maybe consider a, a, a defense that's rarely owned, uh, the Cleveland Browns, against a team that's going to be led by Matt Schaub, turnover-prone Matt Schaub. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he's going to have some somewhat reliable options surrounding him, but it'll be the first week that he's under center since uh, early last season with the Raiders. I, I don't really see him coming out gangbusters right away what do you think yeah I actually like the defense not only the matchup and the lack of offensive options on the Ravens side but I mean the Browns have taken a lot of flack this year for being a very porous defense but they've been really banged up and following the bye week there's a better chance that we can get guys like Joe Hayden and Dante Whitner that are that are two pro bowlers and leaders on that defense I think there's a much better chance that we see them back in action this week following the absence and that's only going to help especially from the past defense and uh, guys like Deshaun Gibson who's a ball hawk uh, Traymond Williams Joe Hayden 
if Schaub even goes after Joe Hayden, I mean, there's a good chance for a pick six in there. Schaub is a pick six machine, as we've seen over the last mm-hmm. couple of years. So I do like that. It, it's a little bit of a dart because, you know, this could go the wrong way and, and Javorius Allen could run all over them as much as I like this matchup for him as well. But uh, if you need someone to stream, that's going to be available everywhere. Uh, another defense I personally like that uh, the availability might not be the same there, but the Kansas City Chiefs double-digit fantasy points in four straight weeks. They're a, a defense that was dropped. Early on in the season, I think Aaron Rodgers threw five touchdowns on him early, and and that mixed with a few other factors caused some negative points. But they've really been turning it on lately, and especially finding some balance in that rushing attack once again has helped them stay off the field a little bit. So I like the Chiefs against the Bills this week. Uh, Bills offense outside of LaShawn McCoy, I don't think Tyrod Taylor's scary. I should say Tyrod Taylor's starting to scare me less and less each week. Yeah, and uh, the Bills... um... They've given up a decent amount of sacks this year. They've given up uh, multiple sacks in 8 of 10 games this season. They've not really forced a lot of turnovers in recent weeks. Only one in the last three weeks of fumble recovery this past weekend against New England, or yesterday against New England. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, turnovers come and go, and maybe this is the week it happens. Yeah, a little bit fluky, so tough to judge sometimes. Just wanted to throw uh, a couple defenses out your way. There's also an awesome article we have on Rotowire uh, streaming defenses by Andrew Martinez. He does a real good oh, yeah. job with yeah, that, picking right. three or four defenses out and giving you his rationale. So maybe check that out. Uh, once again, thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code Rotowire when you deposit for a free contest entry today. Also check out Rotowire free for 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash pod. That's rotowire.com slash P-O-D. Once again, I'm Jake Latarski. Follow me on Twitter at jakeski52. Yeah, and over here it's Eric Katuri, and you can find me on Twitter at etcat30. The Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast will return Wednesday with Joe and Mike. that by the foot there's no better ride than an old station wagon room for six people facing forward two people facing backward and a whole lot of luggage lumber and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof if you can parallel park that beast you can park anything and with some quality parts and a little napa know-how you can keep your land ship running longer stronger it's not obsolete it's a rare treasure that's napa know-how napa know-how